Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. So we've been talking about this idea of the table, and we're just going to get right into it, and I won't do a long introduction today because I think we've got a lot of ground to cover. But in Luke 14, there's these two parables. There's one of the, there's, and there's one of the dinner, and then there's another one of, of this big, well, there's one of the, anyway, there's a celebration, there's a dinner. <laughs> but in Luke 14, let's see, verse 16, it says this, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent a slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready right now. And again, just review that I've read this passage my whole life, and I have always believed that it was to do with the end times. And, and, and I just believe it has nothing at all to do with the end times. That's uh, what I believe the Lord has showed me. And, and you can, I think I can back that up later on in the text where the three guys give excuses. And again, the one guy's like, I, I can't stay here. I can't come to the party because I just bought a field. Now, I know good and well that if you all sign a 30-year 30 30 -year mortgage and you go and you stand before the presence of the Lord, you're probably not going to say, but I got to go back because I got a great interest rate, right? You're, you're not going to say that. <laughs> you're just not going to. If you do, I'm going to pray for you because you need to, I don't know, you come to Jesus. Then there's the other one that said, <laughs> then there's the other one that said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Like, what in the world does that even mean, right? I just bought five yoke of oxen. And I need to go and make sure that they can handle things, which is crazy because, again, this guy would have been rich enough to have employed people to plow his field, but he couldn't let go of things. And so, you know, so I just, again, I just don't think that's heaven. And there's the other one that said it just got married. And, and again, I think wives or husbands, you should honor your wives, but this has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with placing too much value on an interpersonal relationships that keeps us from experiencing, come, everything is ready right now. Come on. Amen. All right. So I say all of that to get in here. He says, there's this big dinner, which means great and loud. And, 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 and I believe the kingdom of God is not a funeral. I mean, there is that moment you die, right? I've been crucified with Christ. But then there's that moment that I'm like, huh, I now live. And the life I now live is because Christ lives inside of me. But anyway... It's this great, big, loud, and great party that's going on. And, and he says, come, there's this dinner. And dinner, it means that everything's the main course. So in the kingdom of God, when he gives you something, everything is the absolute best that he can possibly give you. Which means that he's not... I think sometimes he delays answers. But when he gives answers, he's not holding back anything whatsoever. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like me. Like Again, this is my eccentrics, but I eat the stuff that tastes the worst the first. So please don't watch me if we have a meal together, okay? Because <laughs> I will switch it up to throw you off. But I eat the stuff that tastes the worst the first, and then I eat the stuff that tastes the best the last, because that's what I want to remember, okay? In the kingdom of God, it says when he gave a dinner that everything was the main course, meaning that everything that he had was the absolute best he could possibly give. And it's just like what the Bible says that he who, he who gave his own son, how would he not also freely give us all things? If he gave Jesus as a ransom for us, then he's not going to hold anything back. So again, we're reading this passage with the idea and the belief that we don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience heaven but that we actually believe in the reality that come, everything is ready right now, and that we also believe the reality of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't believe that Jesus asked us to pray that prayer because it sounded good and sounded eloquent, and it would be easy for us to memorize. I actually believe that when Jesus had us pray that prayer, he's saying, listen, if y'all would just believe what I'm telling you to pray, it would quite possibly become a reality. I'm just ready to go meet Jesus in the sweet by and by. That's amazing. Go meet him in the sweet by and by. But I meet him every single day when I get alone with him. And it's pretty stinking good. <laughs> now it's going to be pretty amazing there. I'm just saying it's not bad down here. 
and well, what about, can I meddle today a little bit? What about, I'm going to, what about ISIS? What about all these things going on? That's just more opportunity for us to leverage heaven into earth. The Lord trusted us to be born. We, you were born for such a time as this, right? If I was born for such a time as this, maybe the Lord just trusted each and every one of us to bring about the third great awakening. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's ready right now. So we've been talking a lot about becoming obsessed. Like, so he invites you to this table, what we've been talking about. And we've been talking about the table's really amazing. Everything he provides at the table's really amazing. And we've been saying, but the main thing is to become obsessed with the one that invites you at the table, right? And that's what happens. We get an inferior obsession with other things in comparison to him, or we become inferiorly obsessed with him and get blown away with all the stuff, and then we miss the whole purpose why we were invited in the first place. So everything is always about him. And so like the River City Hope Church, it's about the presence of God. Was it about someone who can preach? No, it's about the presence of God. We have a preacher. We have lots of preachers, actually. Is it about a worship pastor who's, who's starting to go off into his own and learning how to sing prophetic worship? I mean, you are. It's absolutely amazing. Is it about him? No, it's about the presence of the Lord. Is it about the family environment that we believe the Lord is starting to entrust us with? Yes, but it's about the presence of God. Who's the most important person at your church? Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the most important person. And, and, if, and, and so he has the best seat. <laughs> He's going to give the most attention to. We're going to give the most attention to him. It's just all about him. And I say that, and I actually mean it. I actually mean it. So, all right. So we've been teaching on that. He's the most important person. Now, I want to transition a little bit because I've been saying, let's get obsessed with him. I believe that once we get obsessed with the presence of God, then and only then he can begin to trust us with his blessings. Let me say it again. Once we get <laughs> I'll go this side. Once we get obsessed with the presence of the Lord, then and only then can he begin to trust us with his blessings. Why? Well, it's like this. If you're not mature enough to handle his blessings, you end up perverting his blessings. I mean, we'll talk about blessings today. So those that aren't okay with being blessed, you're going to squirm the whole time. We don't like to talk about this stuff because the abuses of a few knuckleheads have ruined it for everyone else. And, and there's a lot of doctrine in the Word of God. There's a lot of principles in the Word where people have just completely completely ran with it and perverted it and everyone's like i'm afraid to touch that well no i think we need to be okay being blessed and in exodus in exodus listen it's it's been his principle from the very beginning let's go like genesis adam and eve walk with the lord in the cool of the day and they 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 experience the goodness of the garden really that's what we're asking the lord by the way when we say on earth it is in heaven but anyway, they got to experience all of that. Then Exodus, the people's in slavery. They begin to cry out. The Lord hears their cries. And when they leave, what does the Lord do? He actually lets the Israelites take all the gold. And this isn't about wealth. This is about blessings. But he actually says, I want you to go ahead and take all their gold, all their silver with you when you go. And they're going to give it to you. Why? The Lord was jealous for a company of people that he could say, those are mine. And I want them to be so blessed and I want them to be so marked by me that everything that they have and everything that they carry, again, not possessions, but everything that they have and everything that they carry makes the world know that they are my people and that I am their God. What would it look like for a company of people in Louisville, Kentucky to get so marked by the presence of God that people out there said, I don't have a clue who God or Jesus is? But there's absolutely something different about you, and I'm actually jealous for it. How do I get it? Amen. I mean, that excites me more than some of you. That's okay. <laughs> so all that, it's time to talk about blessings of the God. Uh, blessings of God. Isaiah 64:1. Isaiah, I'm, and I'm, there's going to be a lot of scripture today. So you may. They're not going to be on the screen. You can write them, go back, study them. That's perfect. Isaiah 64, 1. This will be our jumping off point. <laughs> oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The mountains might quake at your 
presence. Right here. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. What an amazing prayer and prophecy from Isaiah. And, and really, Isaiah 64 is amazing, but I just want to stop with this one verse right here. He says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. So when we get seated at this table with him and we begin to enjoy his company and his presence, because that's what we're doing, when we get seated at that table with him, then he's like, I can bless their socks off and put stuff on this table. It's like growing up, mom said, if you don't sit at the table, you're not going to get anything to eat. <laughs> but if you put your hind end in the chair, she's going to put food in front of you. I believe the same thing happens in the kingdom of God. We have people that believe in Jesus. We have people that have confessed their sins, repented, and they're down here, and they're running around like crazy, like this, like this, like this, and they're stressed out, they're tired, they're anxious, and they never get seated, and the Lord never can go, I'm going to split the heavens wide open over you. So here's the deal. He says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. The word rend means to literally tear, to split. It means to rip. It's like, God, would you rend the heavens? And it's like the Lord goes and just tears a hole right down the middle of it. And so it would be like this. If I, had, if I had a sheet of paper right here and I had something sitting on top of the sheet of paper and I tore that paper, you understand that everything seated on that sheet of paper would go poof like that. Okay? And so he's saying, would you rend? Would you tear? Would you split the heavens wide open? And by the way, heavens, it means heaven, but it means the realm where God abides, the place where God lives. Would you just tear the floor open from the place that you live? That way everything that is there begins to come down here and just flood this place. Would you, would you come down? Would you, would you rend the heavens and come down and come down? It means to descend. It means to lower oneself. It actually means to lay prostrate. And so it's a picture of this. It, 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 it's a picture of literally, I, I'm going to do it, but it's a picture of we're saying, would you tear heaven wide open to such a degree that you and you alone begin to come down to the earth like this and lay prostrate onto the earth. And so this is Habakkuk 2.14 where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will begin to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so it's this picture of God coming down to such a degree because we're seated at that table. We're seated in the heavenly places with Him. And He begins to pour Himself out like never before. By the way, that's so peculiar, isn't it? Uh, that, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would begin to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How in the world do waters cover the sea? Because water is wet. <sighs> I believe God wants to pour him out, out to such a degree that his glory, that his manifest, weighty, kabod presence covers everything that there is. Like you, like you can't separate waters from the sea. And I believe the Lord wants to pour himself out that you can't separate the glory of God from the earth. That there will be no place that he's not at. And he's all places all times. So that's not what I'm talking about. He's omnipresent. I'm talking about the weighty manifest presence of God. That when you walk into a space, you don't think, oh, it's dark here. I don't want to be there. But the hair on your neck begins to stand up, right? Or you begin to, hot tears begin to stream down your face. And it's not about hot tears or the hair standing up on your neck. I sure like those things. But you become very aware that he is there with you. So would you rend the heavens and come down? Like that's crazy to me that he wants to come down to such a degree that he just wants to lay right on the whole thing. <laughs> Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so surrounds the Lord, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth, now and forever. So he rends the heavens and he comes down and he surrounds us now and forever. That's a beautiful picture. That's why, by the way, there's the theology to the song that we sing all the time in this church. This is how I fight my battles, right? It may look like I'm surrounded, 
but I'm actually surrounded by you. It's, it's, it's asking him to come to such a degree that we know that he's always around us and it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing, he is there. It, it, I mean, if, if you could picture the Lord surrounding you, this is the way I think, but I think of those, those people that would like those, it's, I don't know, it's like those adult entertainment places, not the bad kind, the good ones, like Dame and Buster's where the people put on the suits and there's this protective bubble wrap and you whack each other, right? I mean, it's like the presence of the Lord surrounds you to such a degree that when you bump into something, it bounces off of us. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. Yes. All right. Yes. He says that the mountains might quake at your presence. Quake, it means to tremble, implying, <laughs> implying that an in, in, you understand a mountain's not a living thing, or at least I hope you do. It implies that an inanimate object actually gets filled with fear at the presence of God. <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? It means mountain be moved. Be cast into the sea. We've shared this before, but isn't that kind of neat that the tallest mountain on earth, now tallest from the bottom to the top, the tallest mountain on earth is not Everest. That's the one that's the highest above sea level. And it's like 30,000 some odd feet. But the tallest mountain on the entire planet is actually in Hawaii, and the vast majority of it is underneath the water. It's actually like 35,000 foot tall. And like we can't prove this at all, but it sure is a neat thought to think that some spirit-filled believer actually threw that into the sea. <laughs> anyway, all right. I think it's neat. It's the, tallest mountain, the tallest one in the world is under the water. Anyway. That's free. <laughs> but when the Lord's presence begins to manifest, mountains begin to move and tremble with fear. I believe God longs for heaven to be torn and the realm where he lives and abides begins to fall on his people to such a degree that every single mountain begins to quake and tremble with fear. And I believe that he... Be I believe the Lord begins to fall and rend the heavens to such a degree and him fall prostrate on the earth and, and the glory of God begin to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea to such a degree that there is no doubt that we belong to him. And, and, and like, I don't even think I have to put an ichthus sticker on the back of my car anymore, right? Or I don't even think I have to wear like a not of this world t-shirt or whatever they're wearing right now. I, I don't have to do any of those things. All I have to do is walk around and maybe we could be like Moses and we just shine all over the place and people... Maybe, maybe people will know us by how well we love each other. Maybe people will know how well we lay our life down for one another, right? Maybe people will know who we are because when we get wrong, we turn the other cheek. Or, or maybe when someone wrongs us, we begin to pray for them. Or maybe when we get tipped or tipped bad. Maybe when we begin to get treated bad at a restaurant, we tip the waitress's socks off. And, and she says, but I just spent an hour treating you poorly. And you're like, that's okay, honey. The worse you treat me, the more I'm going to bless you because that's what my Jesus would do. What would it look like to get like that? What would it look like, for, again, for the glory of God to boom, just come? Hmm. So what happens when heaven's open? It's <laughs> a great question. Blessings. Blessings is what happens. Again, some of us may make you squirm. That's okay. Malachi 3 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now, now test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. He's not even saying I'm going to tear the whole thing wide. He's like, I'm just going to like crack a window open. I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, of course, he's talking about not holding back in your giving. But what would it look like if we got to the table and said, I'm not going to hold back on anything whatsoever that I give unto the Lord. He's going to have not just my first fruit in giving. I'm not preaching on giving today. You should give. There you go. That's your tithing sermon. But don't hold back on everything else. What about our time during the day? What about instead of giving him the time when we're tired, what if we give him our best time when we're most alert? 
You understand what I'm saying? Like, what, what, what would it look like if, if we held absolutely nothing back and begin to give him the very first fruits of everything that we had and everything that we are and everything that we encompass? He says, I guess I'll just open up a window of heaven. And I believe that, like, you, like there's that really Christianese type saying that says you can't outgive God. Like, you really, really can't. And by the way, I'll say this motive determines how fly you hide too. And so if you give, you do with a cheerful heart. You don't give to get, you give because he was a giver. John 3, 16, for the God so loved the world that he gave. And 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. So if he's a giver, we probably should be too. And then he blesses your socks off. So... By the way, blessing means prosperity. <laughs> that's a word that's been hijacked. I don't like prosperity preachers. Well, whatever. The Lord likes to bless his people. All right? I don't like when they abuse it, but I sure do like biblical principles that say that when I give my life to him, I may bless people, and people recognize I belong to him. All right, blessing. It means, blessing means prosperity. It means a treaty of peace. That's crazy. So, so it means... See if I will not pour out blessing on you until it overflows. The Lord's going to sign a treaty of peace over your life, which means that you can perpetually go. Because <sighs> he signed the letter. It's been, all, it's been stamped, ratified. It's just, that's the way it is. He's not changing his mind. It, 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 also, it also means this. It means a better circumstance. So he says if you don't hold anything back from him and if you give him absolutely everything that you are, that he's going to give you a better circumstance. Now, that's crazy. Now, now I'm not saying that things are going to you know, switch overnight. I'm not saying that because some stuff we've got to dig ourselves out of, all right? Like some stuff you made some stupid decisions and we've got to deal with those earthly consequences. I'm not negating that. I'm saying that we're probably going to be in a much better position and if we ever want any hopes of any circumstance changing, we ought to be generous with the Lord. All right. Oh, man. Isaiah 45.8 says, Drip down, O heavens. Uh, from above, drip down, oh heavens. So, so we're saying, rim the heavens, and maybe after it rims and rims and rims, we're just going to say, go ahead and just drip a little bit too, and keep dripping. But drip down, oh heavens, from above, and let the clouds pour out righteousness. <laughs> let the earth open up, and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. By the way, April prayed and prophesied that just a few moments ago, but the greatest thing, I'm, I'm really convinced of this, like the greatest, we, the greatest thing, yeah, we could say the greatest thing is being saved. That, that's wonderful, and we'll spend eternity in heaven. But the greatest thing is that he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it's like, what, what's your job title? I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> what's y'all's job title? You may be a nurse. You may be a banker. You, you, you may be a preacher. You, you, may, you, may, you may do all kinds of different things. But your job description is you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on this earth. Whoa. By the way, when he looks at you, you're like, because this is what the enemy does. The enemy likes to tell you you're no, dirt, no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel, right? Like, the enemy always reminds you of your past and the things that you've done wrong. That's just what he does. That's his ammunition. You know, when the Lord looks at you, he doesn't see who you were. He actually looks at you the way that... He looks at you through the lens of Jesus... Which, by the way, the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between us and God. What's the mediator mean? It means that he's actually the lens and through which the Father looks at us. And so when the Father looks at you, he actually looks through the lens that is Christ Jesus. Which, by the way, it's the, the opposite is true as well. When we look at the Father... We are looking through the lens of Jesus because Jesus, I feel this all over me. He says, he says this, right? If you know me, you would know the Father, which means that if we would look at him, if we would look at Christ Jesus, we actually see what the Father looks like. And when the Father looks at us, 
He looks at us through his son. So when we say that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you really are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been justified. You've been set free. The things that used to define you no longer define you. It's like what we talked about a month ago. It's illegal to relate to Adam anymore in the sinful fallen nature. By the way, we don't come from Adam. We come through Christ Jesus. The, the line changed. That's right. The line changed. And actually, every person who's alive right now came through Noah. And Noah was righteous and walked with God. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes. Some, yeah, it is good stuff. It is. It is. Some of, this, some of this is like, whoa, it's a bit much. You mean I'm not... I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. You were for a moment, but get over it. Now you're the righteousness of God. Oh, goodness. I'll move on. I'd be right there. Like, we've got to get that. We've got to get that. Oh, brother, it's awful. No, it's actually pretty stinking good. By the way, when you... I totally lost my place. By the way, when you get at that table and he splits heaven wide open, you know what else you get? You get revelation. You get revelation. Uh, Let's, Revelation 4.1. Let's look at that. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. We talk about open doors. I've heard that preached a million times. But do we realize where the open door is? There was an open door in heaven heaven (laughs) and the first voice which i heard like the sound of a trumpet that's crazy too like like john the beloved couldn't even think how to describe the lord's voice and he's just like it's like a trumpet (laughs) like i don't know what it sounds it's like a trumpet. that's the closest thing that my language can say it sounds like but he says like a trumpet speaking to me said come up here And I will show you what must take place after these things. So the Lord splits heaven open. And one of the greatest things the Lord can do for any one of us, and it's not just people that preach and teach. This is not who this is for. The Lord designs, desires to give divine revelation to every single person in this room, all right? And so he says, I I believe the greatest thing, and I, I believe this is why it came through John the Beloved, because it didn't come through Peter, the rock. It didn't come through the one that put his foot in his mouth, right? And, and the Lord used him and sanctified him. And he preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached when 3,000 people came to be saved. But the Lord gave the come up here revelation to the one that said, you're down there, but come up here into the heavenlies and I'm going to show you this picture. He gave that revelation to the one that didn't even identify. When he wrote his gospel, he didn't even say, I'm John. He said, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. Well, that sounds arrogant. Actually, I think it's actually very humble. The single greatest thing that John described about himself is, he loves me. The greatest thing about any of you in here is, he loves you. The one who had that revelation, the one that when everyone else is eating and busy at the table... The one that just said, let me just lean my head up against your chest so I can feel your heartbeat. He says, come up here and let me show you some stuff. Could I suggest that if you could get seated at that banquet table with the Lord and he opens up heaven above you, the greatest thing that you could do is just say, I'm going to allow you to love me and I want you to show me some stuff. I need wisdom and revelation in my life. I need some... I need some advice in my life. I need some direction in my life. And I, I, you don't even have to show me the whole picture, but would you just show me just a little bit? Would you just show me what my next step is? And then when you show me what that next step is, I'm not going to leave from this position. I'm going to stay here in this beloved identity, and I'm going to stay right here, and you're going to show me what's next. And then guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to do the exact same thing. And yeah, you're going to shower blessings on me, but you're going to give me revelation on how I should, how I should live my life. You're going to tell me when I need to move on from a job. You're going to tell me, 
You're going to tell me when I need to help someone on the street. You're going to tell me the words I need to speak to someone that I've been having lots of problems with. Or you're going to tell me the words to speak, and you're going to give me revelation and insight on how to help someone else get their life back in order if I could just come up here. This is an, I'm going to read this verbatim because I think this is the weirdest line in my notes. <laughs> this is an invitation from an open heaven to literally what we see there, bring it back here with us. Whoa. <laughs> you mean, what do I mean by that? I believe we're responsible for the amount of heaven we're experiencing on earth. <laughs> it's like, I want to come up there. Oh, going to get real weird. Ezekiel 47 says that in heaven there's, there, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's, well, Ezekiel 47 references it, but Revelation 22 says that there are trees in heaven that are healing for the nations. <laughs> Maybe we go and just bring stuff back. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Rabbit trail. When heaven gets open, we actually see a full manifestation as Matthew 6.10 on earth as it is in heaven. We've talked a lot about that. What, is that. what does that mean? It means that we'll see the blind see, the lame walk. We'll, we can tell cancer to go to hell. We, we, we'll, see, we'll see these dark places in our cities begin to close. And we'll begin to see places prosper that no longer prospered. Even yesterday, we were driving down Broadway. And April Flyout said, I don't really like driving down this road because it's depressing. And I was like, I agree, because I try to avoid that road as well, because it's just like, it's just, it's just not good. It's not good. The things you see make your heart hurt. And then we started, what would it look like 100 years ago on this road? And then we said, in most cities, and I don't understand this, but most main streets and broadways, in most cities, those are the two roughest streets in the entire city. Why? I have no idea, but what would it look like for the glory of God to come on earth that this is in heaven? And you see those areas begin to prosper. All right. All right, so those are just, like, I could go on and on and on, but for times, I'll probably, I'll probably actually linger here for a while, but I, I want to get to these next three quick points. Like, how do we get heaven to open? <laughs> like, it's really cool that it opens. We know some of the blessings that happens. But how do you get it to open? Look at Luke 3, 21. And, and uh, I'll, I'm going to linger here for, for our time remaining. Luke 3, 21 through 22. This is when Jesus was baptized. It says, now, when all the people were baptized. <laughs> now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. It's <laughs> nuts. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice, and a voice came out of heaven You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So how do we get heaven to open? All right. So this is like, this is so simple and nuts and bolts stuff. Like some, some of y'all, Jesus' is second cousin, so you probably know this, but this is brand new to me. All right. It says, all the people were baptized. Jesus was also baptized. We need to get baptized with water, and we need to get baptized with the word. Do I think it's necessary? I, I don't know. You can figure that out on your own. But it says all the people were baptized and Jesus was also baptized. Now, what's interesting is, it, now, let, me, let me read this next verse. In Ephesians 5, it, it's talking about husbands and wives. But it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Verse 26 is fascinating. It says, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of the water with the word. Word is 
with the word, by the way, is rhema is actually what that means. It's a living, active, dynamic word. It's a right now word from heaven. So, but it says, all the people were baptized. Like, if you haven't been baptized, you should talk to me, and we want to baptize you. No one said anything, but okay. If you haven't been baptized, you should get pray about getting baptized, okay? But also, we need to get baptized with the Word of God because the Word actually begins to wash over. So there's water baptism, and then there's this baptism by the rhema, the living, active, dynamic Word of God that comes, and it washes over you, 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 and then it washes over you some more. And so what it does is it actually, he says this, that, it says that so they may be sanctified and so that they may be cleansed. And so what it does is like this. I prayed this earlier that, God, would you sweep out our corners? It's really like here, it's really easy to just kind of run the vacuum in the middle of the floor where people see. But every now and then I'm like, whoa, that corner's pretty skanky right now. And I need to go run the sweep out the corners and this. The washing of the word actually cleanses those deep hidden parts that we don't want to expose to anyone but the Lord wants to deal with those things because the Lord knows that if he deals with those things that there's a degree of freedom that comes upon us and actually there's April prayed for confidence there's this confidence that begins to rise up inside of you and then you're like I am the righteousness of God I say that with all fear and trembling because it's like whoa he's holy but because of what Jesus did I'm the righteousness of God which means I'm a walking manifestation of the righteousness of God which by the way is why in Romans it says that all of the earth is groaning or all the earth is waiting with anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest in other words all of creation is ready for us to take on this robe of righteousness and say I'm in right standing with him and you can be as well, right? And I'm going to allow this word to wash over me, and I'm going to allow it to wash over me. When we, we preached about, we preached, we talked about reading the word last week, but I don't read this to read this so I can impress someone and spout off a verse. I read this because when I spend my time in looking at this, and in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, John 1, 1, we're looking into the face of Jesus, and how can you look in the, into the face of Jesus? Revelation chapter 3, the one whose eyes burn like fire, how can you look at the one whose eyes burn like fire and not help but get changed? You can't. <laughs> you can't. And, why, and by the way, why does his eyes burn with fire? I believe it's because of the intense passion and devotion he has for each and every one of you. So we need to get baptized. <laughs> and then we need to get baptized. And then you probably ought to get baptized. And then when you're bored, you probably get baptized. <laughs> right? You like, like, like we just want this washing and this washing and this washing and this washing and this washing to come over us. Like we want to be like super squeaky clean. All right. How does heaven open? You pray, and then you pray, and then you pray some more. That's how we can pray without ceasing. It says that all the people were baptized, and Jesus was baptized, and while praying, heaven was open. So what's prayer? The most simplistic definition, communication with God. <laughs> how do you pray? Do you have to say, oh God, thou art, you have to pray in King James. I'm, I, I make April squirm every time I say it. No, you don't have to pray in King James. Just talk to the Lord. Do it with fear and trembling, but talk to him. He's a friend. He talked to Moses like he was Moses' friend, right? He, he's, he's holy. He's other. He desires you to talk to him. I think some of the most powerful prayers that you can pray is, is probably like two second prayers, by the way. God help. <laughs> I need you. What do I do? What's next? Like, that's praying. But anyway, while he was praying, heaven was open. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, two of probably the most preached about verses I've ever heard. Right here, if I shut up the heavens, meaning at one time the heavens were open, but if he gets aggravated and frustrated, he goes, whoop, I'm closing them up. If I shut up them so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, verse 14, the promise, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will hear, or I will heal their land. And what he's saying is, if he gets shut up, 
we begin to pray, we begin to cry out, we begin to repent, he actually begins to pour out the floodgates of heaven or open them up and unleash his presence here on the earth. And guess what? If we do that here, it begins to bless the land that's around us. So what does that look like? It looks like a shopping center where Save-A-Lot had been closed for six years. And then all of a sudden, because there's a company of a handful of people that's praying, God, would you send your presence to this part of the city? Would you tabernacle and would you dwell here? I believe it wholeheartedly. Now, again, am I taking responsibility for that? No, I think our church should. But it looks like Ace Hardware moving in instead of a dilapidated, rundown building where people are breaking into and, and getting high and doing all kinds of other nefarious things. It looks like something good for the actual neighborhood coming into the place. It looks like two businesses, I'm not going to say them because we were recorded, but it looks like two businesses that were in the shopping center that had no business being in existence, closing up shop with a matter of two weeks. Why? I believe it's because the presence of God began to flood this land and he began to heal the land. What would it look like if a company of people began to cry out and say, God, would you not just grow our church? Give me a break. That makes me sick to my stomach. But would you begin to heal the land of Louisville? So where everyone gets to experience the covenant blessings of God. And if they begin to live under open heaven, guess what? I happen to believe they're going to be like, my life sure has gotten better. I have no idea why it's gotten better. And we can say, I'll tell you why it's gotten better. It's because you're living under an open heaven and you're living in the presence of the Almighty God and He actually died for you. He loves you. He thought you were worth it. And, and if you give your life to Him, you become the righteousness of God. You don't have to be defined by your past anymore. You don't have to do all these things anymore. I happen to believe it'll lead people to Him. Yes. Come on. Hmm. The next thing we need to do, we, we get baptized with the water and the word. We pray, pray, pray. Then you need to receive the Holy Spirit. It says, let me read it. Jesus was baptized and while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. You need to fill with the Spirit, folks. We need filled with the Spirit. I think you, you demonstrate what you're most full of. <laughs> and you can laugh and giggle about that because that's the truth. You really demonstrate what you're most full of. If it's Him, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to leave a fragrant aroma, if you will. If it's not, <laughs> it's not. All right, so all the people were baptized. Jesus baptized. And while they were praying, heaven was open and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Now, we've talked a lot about this, but when Jesus was in the womb, he was filled with the Spirit. Like that, the Bible teaches that. But then the Spirit came upon him. And then when he steps into the temple, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. Well, it was in him, but it came upon him. And we, I believe this so heartily. It's within me for my benefit and for your benefit. But when it comes upon me, it's for everyone around me's benefit. You have to receive it, which means that sometimes the Lord speaks to you. I actually think it's quite a bit. He nudges you. Thought pops in your head. <laughs> if it's a good thought, I happen to believe that it's probably from Him because you have the mind of Christ and... and Without getting too weird, I think the Lord's thoughts beat the devil's thoughts all day long. He'll get to me quicker. And so I go with first thoughts a whole lot. But anyway, <laughs> when he begins to speak to you, you have this option. It's like this. I've been in these church services before where I'm like, I'm, I, it's like, it's like my seat is getting elevated, right? And it's like trying to push me down to the front row or to the altar to go pray and get right with the Lord. And I've been there before. I'm like, no. <laughs> Hold on to me, dear, right? I'm not moving. When the Holy Spirit begins to speak, we have the responsibility to respond and to receive. And so when the Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, I, he could have went like that or something like get off of whatever but jesus didn't jesus lived his life 
with that spirit upon him so that others could receive. All right, so that's it. And then the last point, to live in an open heaven is you need to walk in your identity. All the people were baptized. Jesus was baptized. While they were praying, heaven was open. The Spirit came and descended upon him. And this right here, what happened next? Out of heaven, the Father spoke. Feel that? You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. Hear this. He said, you're my beloved son. In you, I'm well pleased. Before, this was before he got up on the cross for us. The father was pleased with Jesus. Hear this, this is important. The father was pleased with Jesus before Jesus did anything for the father. He said, you're my beloved. In you, I'm well pleased. Parents, you can relate to this. You should be able to relate to this. You love your kid. You just love them. Doesn't matter what they do. You love them. It's like, I want my kid to change the world. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to love him. I'm pleased in him. The Father feels that same way about, I believe, each and every one of you. Why? He's looking through the lens of Jesus. Some of you need to hear that truth right there. If you didn't listen to anything today, you need to hear that. There's not anything, and we say this, and this isn't preacher speak, this is truth. There isn't anything that you can do that make him love you more, and there isn't anything you can do that makes him love you less. What would it look like if you could live your life saying, he's pleased with me. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. That's your identity. Your identity is beloved. <laughs> it's beloved. It's, it's, not, it's not that I have this job title or this or I'm this, I'm that. It's, it's that those, thing, those things are inconsequential. The most important thing about it is you're my beloved son or daughter. And in you I'm well pleased. I think that is probably the greatest trick that the devil plays on all of his, on all the Lord's children. Yes. I don't even know how you could love someone like me, right? I don't deserve it. No, you probably don't. Neither do I. But it doesn't change the fact that he still feels that way. You don't, how can you love, I can see how you can love Sally Super Christian, but, but me, I mean, for real. <laughs> you know the things that I've done, and you know the things that I've thought. You know the things that I've said when I'm alone. How? You're my beloved son. I'm pleased with you. Some of us in here, we've spent our whole life trying to gain other people's approval. Let's be honest, and especially today's culture really drives us to that, right? And you have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you have all these things, Snapchat, all these things that are designed to do what? To get likes, retweets, hearts, all these types of things. I like that stuff. I like that stuff. But what it does is it creates this sense that if not enough people will like or heart something, it makes me feel like that I don't have the type of value that I should have. And then it's like, well, no one cares about me. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's all kinds of stuff. And it's like, why? Well, maybe I should post a happy selfie. You know, and you do something like that. <laughs> They'll like that. It's so dumb. It's just dumb. I do it, but it's stupid. It is. It's stupid. It's like, <laughs> and then you're yelling at the kids two seconds later, right? <laughs> but anyway, it creates this sense that I'm not beloved, or not enough people's paying attention to me, and he's shouting from heaven, you're my beloved, and I'm pleased in you. What would it look like if we just got that revelation right there that he loves me and he's pleased with me? Some will say, well, that's just free, cheap grace. I actually don't think it's cheap grace. I think it's empowering grace. Because what would you do? I mean, like, seriously, how would you live your life 
not if you couldn't fail. Like, like we say stuff like that. Not if you couldn't fail. What would you do? How would you live your life if you knew that he was never going to change his mind? How would you live your life if you really were, if he looks at you and says, that's the righteousness of me in Christ Jesus? Like, how would you live your life if you got that revelation? Like, that's who he says you are. Ew. Like, that makes me want to run around the room. I'm serious. <laughs> Maybe imply around the room. Some of you need to hear just how much he loves you. And, and, and walk in it. And the devil, he'll try and tell you, ah, you're worthless. You stink. You're worthless. Remember that time you messed up? Remember that time you did that when you were 17, 18 years old? You made that big, huge mistake. Remember that time? Remember that time you had that failed relationship? Remember that time you looked at something online you shouldn't have looked at, right? Remember that time you yelled and screamed and cussed at someone and you lost your cool? Remember that time? Like, he's going to remind you of all those things. And the Father in his goodness saying, you're my son and you're my daughter. In you, I'm well pleased. Like, that changes things. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you pray. Like, we've been getting this righteousness revelation for about four weeks now at our house. And, like, it's just exploding in our hearts. It's changing everything about us. It's like... So, I mean, if I sin, I'm going to repent. But if I don't have to spend an hour and a half repenting every day and wallowing in that stuff, and then, right? I, I, if, if I don't have to repent for something that I looked at when I was 16 years old on the internet, and that's been 20 years ago, if I don't have to repent for that because he's I, even I, who blots out your transgressions, remembers them no more, I'm not returning to that thing. Or if it pops in my head, I'm like, wait, no, that's not inside. That's outside trying to get in. If, if I live like that, then my prayer life, I go from begging God to begin to say, Lord, I declare your goodness over my city. I declare your righteousness over my life. I decree, God, that, that we're going to begin to live out Deuteronomy 28, 20, Deuteronomy 28, not 28, 28, but Deuteronomy 28, right, that, that we'll be the first and not the last, that we're going to be head and not the tail, that you're going to begin to make us the lenders and not the bars, right? We're going to be blessed in the city. We're going to be blessed out of the city, God. We're going to be blessed and we're going to live in your covenant blessings. Why? So that we can begin to bless everyone who's around us. It changes the way you think and live and act and pray. Instead of, oh, I'm just a pauper in the kingdom. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6, I've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? And I, boom, boom, I sit there and he's actually made the devil my footstool. And I'm just really digging in my heels. And I'm doing that. And I begin to pray. And I have a different point of view. And I no longer look at things with a hopeless mindset, but with a kingdom mindset. And I begin to call the things that are not as if they are. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? It changes absolutely everything. And it's all because he's opened heaven up. Amen. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. So it changes things. It really changes things. I'm going to slogan, once you come on up here, buddy. Just strum, get rid of the awkward silence when I pray. I love you, man. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.